0: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
1: Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I come to work with two hands every day and I'm trying to bless somebody.
2: We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be
1: some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clipped that. You can get on a podcast. You can get online.
0: You can argue with the clouds, you can argue with the, with the Russian bots, don't care. It's Friday, October 14th, we've made it to the end of the week together, which means it's time to preview this weekend's NFL matchup, so we've got some legitimately really great ones to talk about, and joining me together, because you know, you guys, you listeners, you get enough of me through the week, like, you get it with, with all the stuff that I have to say. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, you know what? You don't get enough of the great minds, the other folks that we have here, the elite fantasy football analysts that we have here at Yahoo. Let's bring the, more folks onto the preview show beyond just me. So joining me together is the great Andy Barons and the fantastic Scott Pianowski. Andy, Scott, what's going on, man?
2: Do I do I not get a royal title on uh, no. on the preview show? Okay, okay. That's reserved only for waivers. Okay, got it.
0: Correct. Yeah. So the waiver wire, you get a royal title. Um, But on the preview show, you're just regular old Andy. Um, Regular old Scott. Fantastic sounds
2: better than great, by the way. This is like this is like when you buy a car wash at the gas station. And I don't know, is great better than fantastic? They both sound really good.
0: Uh, I think you guys are both really good. So <laughs> that's that. All right. We've got some bye weeks here. Uh, we've got the Detroit Lions, the Houston Texans, the Raiders, the Tennessee Titans. They're off the board this week. Um, you know some some pretty interesting players there, but let's move right into it here. First game up: Bills at Chiefs. We know this was an extremely fun playoff game the last time we saw these two teams face off. Um, Scott, I know you want to talk about Devin Singletary because we both kind of whiffed on the Singletary call last week.
1: Yeah, Singletary. I, I thought he earned Circle of Trust privileges into last week. Double-digit touchdown favorites against Pittsburgh, and he does very little. And I think maybe the key to the Singletary matrix is that he needs a competitive game for him to actually come near his theoretical upside for handling the ball. Kansas City will fight back their home team. We all know what happened in the last meeting. So I feel confident saying Singletary will be around 15 touches. I could even see him surpassing that number. But in a week where four teams don't play, in an NFL landscape where running back production is awfully hard to get, and I know you'll cook me in a couple of plays last week whatever i i think a lot of fancy managers were probably burned by singletary last week i'm still going to proactively rank him in the top 20
0: yeah i think i'm there with you uh the one question i have and you know i know this is is andy's one point about this game is with the receiving uh players that are back in the mix here you know Isaiah mckenzie's back um. Obviously, we don't know the status of Dawson Knox at this point. You know, Jameson Crowder's is out for this game. Um, Scott, does that have you like pause at all about like the the Devin Singletary part of this? Because he was being used proactively in the passing game. Um, which is funny because they draft like James Cook. They try to recruit uh, J D. McKissick for that role, but it just still ends up being Devin Singletary. I'm with you that. I'm probably going back to the Singletary well this week on the one team, which ironically is my one one and four team that I keep talking about. (laughs) No surprise there. Um, I'm probably going back to the Singletary well, but does that give you any pause about him there?
1: No, because running back is so thin and because Knox has been such a non-factor all season anyway. Uh, I'm not going to worry about that. I, I also want to say, give a shout out to my friend Jim, who I talked about having the greatest 0-4 team I'd ever seen in a fantasy league. <laughs> he now is the greatest 0-5 team I've ever <laughs> seen in a fantasy league because he narrowly really lost by two points because the opponent had Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. And that's just a horrible <sighs> way to lose. Uh, so hang in there, Jim. You still have uh, you know the second most points in your league. You still have a roster that I would swap any of my rosters for. You still have a bench to die for. And um, we talked about earlier this week in an article and and some on this podcast, it's trading season, it's bi-week season. This is the time to evaluate, to take stock of where you're at and maybe take advantage of some trade avenues. People don't want to trade in September. Nobody has problems yet. Now we're in the middle of October and everybody has some kind of problem. Or if you're luckily one of the five and and four and one teams, you can start picking off the teams that have problems. So I want you to do a lot of evaluation, both of your team and how strong it is and what other people need, because... The bye week season, it is your facilitator for trades. People now have incentive and maybe even desperation.
0: And I feel like the the record part of it, you kind of have to throw out about your team, right? Just just evaluate it based on how you feel about the individual players, not like oh, I'm one and four, like time. You know, obviously, you need to start making. Andy, we've talked about this with the waiver wire stuff. Like, you need to start making up ground if you're one and four, or you know, you're oh, God forbid, you're zero oh five stuff like that. But at the same time, when it comes to trades and stuff like that, it, you do have to. um You'd have to be somewhat uh, realistic about the whole where the roster stands as a whole.
2: You got to be realistic, but you can't, you know, you can't go 0 and six, right? Like, yeah,
0: <laughs> I, right. <laughs> I, I, in
2: like decades of playing fantasy football, I, I can remember a team that I had that started 0 and 5 and that won a title, but it's memorable because it happened exactly one time. I do not, I do not recall any instances of ever seeing a team go 0 and 6 and then, and then winning a title, whether it was my own or someone else's. So like... I I don't know if you're if you're 0 and 5 and you've got and you've got Amin Ross St. Brown on the roster. You've got DeAndre Swift on the roster. Yeah, like they're sure they're they're available for trade. Absolutely. Anyone who cannot help me in the week ahead is definitely going to be available for trade.
0: That's a good point. Um, Back on this game. These are two title contenders, right? Uh, Andy, break down the receivers here for me, because I know that's what you want to talk about. And, you know, this game. I think is going to tell us a lot how these receivers are going to be split, you know, based on um, like Isaiah McKenzie coming back.
2: Yeah, it uh, it feels like we should be building to this game, right? Like we shouldn't we shouldn't open with this one. We should uh, we should finish with this one. Um, well, you want to super... start off
0: on the right foot. You want to start off on a high note, <laughs> yeah, okay? Yeah, like yeah, would you suppose... want you want me to start off with uh, the start with Jags,
2: and Colts? Yeah, that's yeah. that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Draw the people in with Jags and Colts. That's right. No, you're 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 a pro. Uh, you're you're that's a good call. Um, <laughs> obviously, Gabe Davis. Uh. Pretty pretty fair game the last time he went he went to Kansas City, right? It was the 200-yard, four-touchdown game where he was just running by uh, Chiefs defenders and, and ended up being utterly unstoppable, and it didn't matter in the end. Anyway, wonderful game. I, I think one of the biggest things that we learn on the Buffalo side is whether Khalil Shakir has earned any extra snaps, right? Uh, uh, because he was obviously productive, not perfect, but productive last week with Isaiah McKenzie out. As you as you rattled off some of the names, you know it does strike me that almost anybody who had a even a slight issue last week for the Bills was uh, they held them out, right? It it feels like you know it, it felt almost collegiate, like they knew they were just going to stomp mm. the Steelers. And um, even with Singletary, right? Even Singletary's usage, they were like, let's not get Devin Singletary hurt in this in this silly game. Um, let's let's load up for the Chiefs next week. Like maybe that was a thing that was happening. You wouldn't you wouldn't normally expect that in the NFL, but maybe. Um, anyway, I think we're going to learn something pretty interesting with Isaiah McKenzie coming back because he was, uh, he was somebody that a lot of us were high on coming into the season. And then early on, it looked like Jamison Crowder was really going to have a role and he was going to kind of derail some of the plans that a lot of us had for McKenzie. And maybe Shakir can, can carve out sort of that same situation. If not, then Isaiah McKenzie becomes someone who can maybe get seven to 10 targets a week in the bills offense. And that's somebody who absolutely has to be rostered.
0: For both of you guys, I'm looking at your rankings right now. You both have Gabe Davis as a top 20 player. I know folks will say, like, okay, so what do I do? You know, he has this big blow up game, but the target share, the target share, the target share. I feel like, and Scott, you can start on this. I feel like you never, you can never put him on the bench again because you know the potential that exists
1: there. Yeah. And it's always been a case of him with Davis when he's 100% or very, very close to it physically. It's press, it's plug and play. It's, he's one of those guys that when, he misses practice time. We can't feel anywhere near as confident, and his record hasn't been very pretty when, when you get to that. So this is some of these receivers. Stefan Diggs used to be like that when when he was in Minnesota. If he had a messy oh, week remember. of practice, but we're still going to play, That's you, you really couldn't play him with any confidence. But when he was 100% healthy, it's like, okay, lock and load, let's do it. So, you know, it's Friday now. As, as long as there hasn't been any setback with Davis physically, and so far so good. I think he's certainly a proactive play. You'd have to have extremely strong wide receiver room to not be starting him in this spot. Andy,
2: same, same for you? Yeah, pretty much every time I look at my receiver ranks, uh, I, I move Gabe Davis up a spot. <laughs> it's also, you know, it's one of those weeks um, the buys have hit. A, a, a number of guys are coming off uh, kind of sketchy weeks where uh, I, don't, I don't feel great about any of the receivers outside the top 20 or so. And pe- people who have a real opportunity to, um, you know, to sort of tilt fantasy matchups like Gabe Davis, I, I just keep bumping him up. Um, I'm really anxious for this game. It was great to see him pretty much fully operational last week coming off a, a, a dominant game. So, uh, yeah, pr- I'll probably revisit my fantasy ranks a couple more times uh, after this podcast. And who knows? Maybe maybe I'll have him in the where, wherever Dalton's parked him uh, by the time we're done.
0: Well, let me tell you, Dalton's got him at wide receiver seven. So uh, yeah, he's <laughs> a little shy of that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a little bit shy of that. Um The chiefs receivers are, I mean, can you really play any of these guys with confidence at this point?
2: <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just whiffing on Juju every week. And it seems like I that's know. the way it's, that's the way it's just going to go for the rest of the season. Cause it's not, you know, it's not like the targets aren't there. How many times did he get shoved out of bounds at like the four or the three um in their last game, right? Like he's someday he's gonna score a touchdown. I don't know when it is. He's uh he's not getting targeted in the end zone, but he's getting targeted near the end zone. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna whiff on that constantly. Uh yeah, it's I, I don't think I could start MVS or uh Hardman with any confidence. It's a bye week, so people have to do crazy things. I don't wanna make anybody feel bad about it. I, I actually thought McColl had uh a couple of huge plays in uh in the last game but is also clearly fighting through injury so that is a worry uh and uh, uh no i don't i don't think you can start any of them with confidence outside of kelsey yeah
0: no i don't think so all right let's move on to the next game here we've got cardinals at the fighting Geno Smith Seahawks over under 50 and a half. Uh, this game should be really fun from a fantasy perspective. Um, Scott, we can only really start one place here. The guy who's been the talk of the town in the fantasy community this week.
1: Yeah. K- Kenneth Walker, obviously with Penny out for the year Walker had a long run late in that previous game, New Orleans game for a touchdown. We know that Walker didn't catch the ball at Michigan state. Didn't catch the ball in his college career, but that doesn't mean he can't do it. You I know, mean, Jonathan Taylor didn't catch the ball a lot at Wisconsin. He's been just fine. A.G. Dillon was never targeted pretty much at Boston college. He, uh, he has shown he can catch the ball at green Bay. Although I think they've made a mistake going away from that recently. I'll talk about that later, but, and the thing is too, Walker stepping into an offense in a year with a quarterback play, other than the top quarterbacks has been very weak. Seen a lot of offenses that are just, you know, driven themselves into ditches and I'm having trouble finding trust. But Geno Smith is our savior. Geno Smith is winning the Russell Wilson-Seattle Seahawks breakup. Geno Smith is the big winner there. So this is an offense, all of a sudden, I feel good about its buoyancy. It's easier to throw on Arizona than it is to run on it. But Walker, I mean, what's behind him, right? Travis Homer's still hurt. DJ Dallas is just a guy. I want to see how much they use Walker in, in the past game. I'm really curious to see that. But even without that, he's already got 14 to 16 touches in his back pocket. Could easily break 20. And recently with rookie running backs, we've seen they've gotten off the slow starts and then maybe it's been second half these guys descend. Maybe teams don't want to expose their rookies to a lot first couple of weeks. I don't know why the Texans held Pierce back in that first game, but then they eventually hit play. Perhaps it's good to the just the the flow of Walker's season, that he wasn't doing a lot early, but now he's ready to take on an expanded role. If if you're a Walker manager, you you know all this. You either had him stashed or you went with – You got him in FAB with a two-handed shove. You're obviously playing him. He's obviously inside the RB2 cut line. And it's Seattle offense. And in the league right now, where they're like 15 or 16 offenses, I don't want to rewatch their games. It's really hard to get the the nerve up to watch these Seahawks (laughs) games or to watch these Bears games, you know? But I want to watch the Geno Smith games, and that means I I want a piece of Kenneth Walker when I can get it. Yeah, his offense is
0: awesome. I mean, seriously, like, it's... (laughs) I don't want to bag on Russ. I'll probably bag on Russ a little a little bit later in the show. But um, you look at like where Geno Smith is throwing the ball. Like he's actually throwing it over the middle, right? And it's crazy because like those are the efficient throws in the NFL. Like you want your quarterbacks. Where that's why um you know. Just just off the top of the head, like you know, everybody always looks at like the Jimmy G backers or always like, look at Jimmy G, how efficient he is as a quarterback. But but because Jimmy G only throws over the freaking middle of the field, right? Like, and then you get Gino who actually is using that area of the field, and Russell Wilson never used that area of the field. And now we get this offense where everybody, I mean, it's like a it is a party, but only the guys we really care about. It looks like Ken Walker is about to join that party.
1: It kills me also that we had screaming values on Metcalf and especially Lockett. And I feel like I got very little of oh, that yeah. because I couldn't come up with Geno Smith being even just an average quarterback. And right now he's been certainly above average. But you know, whatever, If for the rest of the season, if we told you right now, Geno Smith will be league average. I think anybody who rostered Metcalf or Lockett would be fine with that. I just wish I was you, know, you had a seat next to me on that bandwagon because I don't have much of it. I am cr-
0: I'm. Am- Scott I'm crying myself to sleep about it every single every single night. It it kills me because I I love Tyler Lockett and I've been a big DK Metcalf defender since people criticize him for stupid stuff coming out of out of college and I have I mean I do have a lot of Lockett teams, I have no DK teams and Andy Scott I, I I'm telling you both now it is you know, the number one concern in my life. I don't have a very hard life, but it is the number it is the number one concern in my life. You know what? You know what as I, it
1: should as it should be for any newlywed, right? It should, yeah. should be that you know, your exposure to the Seattle passing game.
0: Yeah. Other than that, we're doing fine.
2: I, I think back to the uh, King's classic salary cap draft I was in all of the like it's it's crazy how often i think back to it um the 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 bidding just stopped at six dollars on tyler lockett six dollars he went for six (laughs) dollars like 14 of us sitting there all of whom do this for a living everybody knowing you know how good tyler lockett actually is but the the sheer terror related to geno smith and then geno smith has been as close to perfect as any as any quarterback in the nfl to like to your earlier point about geno his average depth of target is almost like nine yards. He's not these, he's not leading the league in completion percentage because everything is at the line of scrimmage. And it's like, you know, drew Brees stuff. It's a lot of it is downfield. Uh, a lot of it is like downfield on the move through. I mean, he's been, he's just been great. He's been purely great. He's not looking into anything.
0: Yeah. And like, you look at Lockett's box scores the last four weeks, obviously week one, I think that was like a figuring it out point for this offense, but, um, and I'm I'm gonna knock on wood here and like try not to jinx Lockett when I say this because we all know that people would complain about Tyler Lockett. Well, he's he's volatile. He's volatile. He's up and down. Like you get these big weeks, and then he gives you nothing. But like nine for 107, nine for 76, six for 91, five for 104, and two touchdowns. Like he's been a steady producer. I think because of the this is what like nobody wanted to say during the whole like Lock Lockett volatility debate. Is it? He yeah, had played with a vol- volatile quarterback who used only throws to the most volatile parts of the field, which is deep down the sideline. So I am bagged. I'm fine. I bagged on Russ there, but um, it is what it is. <laughs> I think that's a huge part of why Tyrell Lockett was so volatile. And Gino's given us pretty steady stuff with these guys. Andy, on the Arizona side, you know, we'll, we'll see about the backfield. But it is a rather interesting spot for these guys like, Eno Benjamin.
2: Yeah. See, I, I mean, I'm not breaking any news to say that Seattle's defense has been horrible. Right? They're they're bad <laughs> at everything. Uh, you um, said
0: on the outline, you you called it hilarious. Actually,
2: yeah. No, like I mean, they're 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 falling into these these crazy matchups, right? I, like I'm I'm gonna remember I'm gonna remember that Lions game for a long time. Like the the Lions. Nowhere near full strength um, putting up, you know, four passing touchdowns, 40 plus points uh, against Seattle Um, is wild. They've just been terrible. They're absolutely hilarious. Their run defense is allowing five yards per carry, like 170 rushing yards per game. And it's possible that Eno Benjamin is going to get almost all of it. Uh, as we speak, Daryl Williams has already been ruled out with his knee injury. James Conner didn't practice on Wednesday, which is not necessarily a big deal, but he's got a rib issue. You, you imagine he comes into the week not being able to take 20-plus touches. So I think Eno Benjamin is going to be a start in any case. And there's a possibility here that we could get to Sunday morning if James Conner isn't going to play. Eno Benjamin is going to start looking like a like a top-10 fantasy running back.
0: Yeah, I think he has a shot to be a legit league winner and, you know, wasn't picked up with like ferocity this week with um, yeah. with the Kenneth Walker thing going on. But, you know, it's I love James Conner, He's a good player. Uh, Obviously, has a great story. But, you know, he's a guy that if he breaks down this year, I don't think any of us would be surprised by it. So Benjamin's a guy there. I'll point out too, Rondell Moore. I mean, kind of went back to playing that like fake receiver stuff like he did last year, like a 2.3 average depth of target. He went back to the slot uh, when A.J. Green uh, returned this past week, whereas he was like an outside player against Carolina Panthers, which like, come on, that ain't that is never going to work. OK, um, <laughs> but I know that, Andy, you had a lot of good thoughts about Rondell Moore coming into the NFL. Scott, I also want to run this. I do want to run this take by you because I think this is a part where you could tell me like, You're being a little unrealistic here because everybody knows this, but I feel like this is a good week to if you have Rondo Moore to play him against this hilarious Seahawks defense, as Andy calls it, because he should get a decent bit of volume. You know, I, I think he is doing a slightly more real receiver stuff and then like immediately trade him right after this game just because like DeAndre Hopkins is coming back. But Scott, like that's something everybody knows. So maybe that's not that sharp of a thing to say.
1: No, I'm glad you mentioned it. Right before we started this podcast, I filed my sleeper piece. It's in editing right now, and I had Rondale Moore on that sheet. And I don't know sleeper, a nebulous term. You know, a, I'm sure some people are listening saying I'm not playing Rondale Moore, and other people are saying, "Oh, of course, Rondale Moore's been rostered in my league all season. What are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> Seattle, even though they've given up more volume on the ground, their efficiency metrics are actually worse against the pass. No Hopkins yet. I think this is a week where Moore can spread his wings again maybe get to around 10 targets, six to eight catches. Yeah, I know we have to live with some of that bubble screen life, but he's a proactive play for me. He's getting the green light for me in week six.
0: Yeah, and like I said, then I feel like you just, you include him not as like, a, oh, here, don't go take Rondell Moore, but you make him like a sweetener in some sort of trade
1: where you can move which on. Just, which just matter. means that you and I exchange texts on Sunday when some Arizona receiver, you know, you know Greg Dortch comes back Y'all, the Dortch dead is back. And, 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 <laughs> and catches a 45-yard <laughs> touchdown, and you and I, you know, throw our phones against the wall like Ari Gold. Uh, yeah,
0: A.J. Green, uh, 75-yard touchdown like it's 2015, <laughs> baby. It's yeah, going to be he's fun. He's playing between the
1: hedges of Georgia. Yeah, beautiful.
0: <laughs> Love it. All right, next game up. It is the Jaguars and Colts, Andy. I'll let you start on this since you were so disrespectful to this matchup. We got a 42 <laughs> over-under. We got two teams not coming. Colts at least one. Not a great performance on Thursday night. Uh, It feels like that game happened. I just feel like that game happened five months ago. Uh, Maybe I'm just trying to block it out of my memory. But Jaguars fans also up in arms over the last two Trevor Lawrence games. So what do we got? This this is an interesting game, I think, to talk about, despite your disrespect, Andy.
2: No, I, I agree. Uh, it, it feels like, I don't know, did Jacksonville just lie to us? Like, were they not really like the uh, ascending offense that they looked like for a minute there? I mean, they were... I, there there was a moment like three games into the season when I, I think they were they were maybe they were second in the NFL and like point different like they were up there in point differential and they were scoring. Yeah. And now the offense in the last two weeks and whatever it was Philly Philly's good. It was you know, bad weather conditions all that but the offense has scored 20 points in the last two games. And there were a lot of points that should have been available against Houston in particular. Um, that was a really ugly rewatch that I will confess to like, I just gave up on it in the second half. Um, <laughs> it, like really, really ugly, just some, like some missed stuff from Trevor Lawrence, but worse than that were, um, all these play like th- the receivers who were actually getting targeted in that game, um. Uh, it, it was just a little mind-boggling. And I, I realized that with guys like Christian Kirk, um, with, with almost every receiver, and you've, you've spoken about this a great deal, there, there's like five or six guys in the league who um, are, are just every week going to be fed targets and going to produce numbers, and everybody else is going to be volatile to, to some extent. Um, three targets for Christian Kirk and one catch was was seemed a little low, a little modest, Plus, they were throwing to the slot. They just happened to be throwing to Evan Ingram. They fed Evan Ingram 10 targets. Ingram and Zay Jones both had plays that I'm sure don't get classified as drops because almost nothing in the NFL is classified as a drop, but I think everybody uh, affiliated with the Jaguars would say they should catch a ball that hits them in both hands, right? Like, that was happening a little bit. Um, It it was just an ugly game. Ugly game both from Lawrence and from uh, from this receiving core. And... I, I don't, I can't imagine there's going to be, a, we're going to see another game where Christian Kirk doesn't see like eight targets, but maybe it was, it was just, it was uh, jarring to see, uh to see Christian Kirk almost as, I don't know, almost as a decoy. And it's not like, it's not like Houston was doing anything to just erase him either. Um The, the opportunities were there. They just didn't feed him.
0: And Doug Peterson even said this week, like, okay, you know, um, you don't ever want to be in a situation where Christian Kirk has three or four targets. He needs to be up there like nine, 10, 11. Um, hey, I'll take hey, i will I'll, I'll certainly take 11 after, after a one catch game. So I feel pretty yeah. good about returning to Christian Kirk. Um, I'm with you on that. It's also worth noting as we're recording this, that um, Jonathan Taylor practiced today. So that's a pretty good sign that he's probably going to be back for this game. But Scott, we have a lot of questions about the Colts overall, but I know you want to highlight with someone in particular. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm going to say some nice things about Alec Pierce. I just also want to quickly mention that Travis Etienne has outsnapped James Robinson two straight weeks. Yeah. Robinson's early fast start was built on a couple of long, out-of-character, unsustainable runs. I mean, he, the defense was just in the wrong places. Anybody would have scored in those plays. Last week would have been the great time to do it, to get Etienne cheap or sell Robinson high, but I would still look to do both those things this week if you can. As far as the Colts, well let, actually let's I... pull
0: let's pull on that thread okay. for a little bit here with the with the Jaguars running backs because I feel like you know, I've had a couple of people send me like tr- you know, not me particularly, but asking me about like, hey, what about this trade with Travis Etienne? Like this person wants to trade for Travis Etienne, like how long, um, Scott, until we're ranking Etienne over James Robinson? Because I feel like it hasn't quite happened yet, but like two, three weeks from now it's probably gonna happen.
1: It hasn't happened yet, but I thought I thought it might have. I actually wrote about it. Again, using the very loose definition of sleeper. I just think ETN is more just like underappreciated right now. And I was wondering what their industry ranks were, thinking they'd be pretty close together. Robinson still has the upper hand there. I want you to leverage that. I think that can be to your advantage. As far as the Colts go, I love actually love the Colts in this game. I don't know what it is with the Colts. They were so bad in that Jacksonville game. But... They have a lot of things going right. They they won an ugly game at Denver, and I, and I get it. It was hard to watch, but they come to this game with extra rest. And Alec Pierce, the last two weeks, over 80 yards, 8 of 9, catches 8 of 9 targets in that Thursday game. I think they're finally accepting that Paris Campbell's not good. And whatever—Matt Ryan can't throw, like, the entire route tree right now, but he has a chemistry with Pierce. I think this only continues, and I, I wish I had Pierce everywhere. I, I saw his roster percentage and start percentage this week. I don't remember what they are off the top of my head, but I thought they were pretty low he's going to be the second most important person in their passing game. I, I want you to have this guy. Yeah,
0: I'm with you, man. And Ashton Doolin going on IR is kind of a sneaky big deal because he had like a 28.6 uh, targets per route run. Like when he was out there, they were looking to get him the ball. And I think Ashton Doolin actually has has some chops. Like I, I we're not – I'm definitely at like enough already territory with, with Paris Campbell. Um, <laughs> The Colts are not quite there yet, Scott. Like just you look at – you look at week – 5 at least. Michael Pittman 100% routes per team dropback. Paris Campbell 97.9. Alec Pierce, he's up from like a few weeks ago, but he's still at like 75%. So we do need I think a full flip, but like it's got to happen soon, right? Like I, and I cuz I'm with you that I like Pierce a lot. <laughs> that would be great. That would be great. Andy, all this um Alec Pierce talk. You know, I drafted a I mean, I actually didn't draft a ton of Michael Pittman because you know, he was one guy that, like, you had to have, like, the first pick in the third round because everybody liked, like, hey, Scott, yeah. who liked Michael Pittman? Everybody liked Michael Pittman, mm-hmm. right? But, um, Andy, it hasn't gone that well so far. Some of the metrics are still there for him. Like, you know, the route participation is there. um, The target share is there. But his average depth of target is so low this year compared to um, everyone else. I feel like he can get back on track and this is a good spot for him to get back on track. Cause he's run into like, that was a tough wide receiver cornerback matchup with Patrick Sertan last week. You were, you kind of should have expected a slower game there, but um, any, like any concern about Michael Pittman or have you adjusted expectations? What the, basically Andy, what should I do as like a, a like a longtime Michael Pittman, bro? What, do, how should I be feeling right now? <laughs> I, no,
2: I feel like if your if your biggest fantasy problem is Michael Pittman, I I would hope that you're four and one right now, right? Like that <laughs> that just does not seem like a huge problem to me. Um, I think you're right to point out the Sertan situation last week, and you're also right that that game feels like it was a million years ago. It's crazy. Uh, I, I wouldn't. I have zero concern with Michael Pittman. It's great that nice. he that he, uh, you know, it's great that he's back. I my concern is with Matt Ryan. Um, they were like. Know. Colts receivers were, were coming back for almost every throw, uh, a a week ago. That was, that was, uh, eye popping. That was really terrible. Um, it was, I, I don't know how often they're going to be able to support like two uh, fantasy viable pass catchers. That to me is a little bit of a concern. And he was really looking for Alec Pierce on like short stuff last week, which has not been where Alec Pierce was getting his yards previously, right? He was, there were a couple of splash plays in each of the previous two games, um, but I, you know, so it's just good to see Pierce getting this sort of usage. He, he was actually one of the most difficult players for me to rank this week. Um, Cause it, of, of course it feels like a secondary receiver in, for Indy can put up a, a zero or close to it at any time. Like for sure, Alec Pierce is going to have some games with like five targets and 19 yards or 21 yards. But his big play potential is, is unlike a lot of other players in the league. So he's pretty interesting to me too. But uh, to the Pittman question, zero
0: concern. I'm glad to hear you say that, and I'm definitely not trying to get you know another uh, troll message from Denise from the Treviso Babes League. That is for <laughs> sure about Michael Pittman. So, all right, let's move on to the next game. Here we've got Vikings at Dolphins. Um, obviously, Andy preseason hero Skylar Thompson is back in our lives. Um, he he's going to start in this game. How much are you adjusting expectations for everybody else?
2: This is super weird because I I think they they I mean Teddy might be available. T- Teddy's yeah. like in the concussion protocol but maybe not concussed um probably not available uh, in practice perhaps until Friday so they're whatever they're deciding to go with Skylar Thompson he was great in the preseason but that's just the preseason like 450 yards in the preseason five touchdowns completed 3 quarters of his of his throws like he was great um but he was also a pretty uh, uh, I don't want to use the term mediocre, but I almost used it like collegiate quarterback. I mean, he he threw 12 touchdown passes as a fifth year senior. Um, he's he's not somebody wow. I think anybody should get excited about. Um, and yet the the Dolphins are choosing to start him here, basically starting him over Teddy, who, again, probably going to be uh, active in this game. Uh, so that's just really unusual to me. We, uh, it seems like Tyree Hill is going to be good to go. Uh, he's been dinged. It seems like Jalen Waddle is going to be good to go. I don't know what to expect here. It is, it is really odd to me that they are going with Skylar Thompson. And I, I, I have to be one of the only people that is starting him in multiple leagues. I'm starting him in the Charles Robinson 20 team <laughs> super league. Um, oh, cause cause I had tied myself to Tua, Right, So I've just been chasing dolphins quarterbacks all season. And, uh, I'm starting him somewhere in Superflex too. Um, I'm dreading it. Uh, there, there's no way it's going to look anything like preseason, but, but what the hell? He's the guy throwing a Tyreek,
0: you know, fantasy football is supposed to be fun, right? <laughs> I mean, it,
2: seriously, it was either that or, um, uh, I, I lost the bidding on, uh, 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 Walker in Carolina, right? Like I made a pretty aggressive bid on him. Like I, I'm down to Skyler Thompson. This is all I got.
0: I, mean, I guess you got to do what you got to do, uh, Scott. What do the Vikings got to do in this game? Uh, w- what do you think on this side?
1: Yeah, I think I was that Walker guy who blocked you in in the Teddy Bell league, uh, Andy. <laughs> you do get Thompson, I believe. I believe for nothing, and Andy's Andy will wake up earlier than anybody in your fantasy league, and will we'll pick up. He's always crushing those secondary picks. You know the the contingency bids that didn't get awarded, Barons just scoops those up. Wednesday, so, 5 a.m. Yeah. That's my whole game. Yep. Yeah, after's already <laughs> run probably probably seven and a half miles, you know. So Andy Barons is just a pox on any fantasy league. let established that. I have I have trouble trusting Skylar Thompson, by the way, because I just hated Skylar White so much in Breaking Bad that the name <laughs> Skylar has been forever ruined for me. Here's what I want from Minnesota, and we, we you know we're we're already get a chunk of time in this podcast, so I'm going to be really quick on this. I feel like we've been waiting for Irv Smith's breakout season for nine years. I know that's not right, but the NFL timetable, it, you know, NFL seasons measure in dog years, right? And it was one year he was hurt and everything. But even when he plays, it's like, okay, here are your five targets. Here are your three catches. Here's your 25 yards. Of course, you didn't score a touchdown. And I have, in a year where everybody's scrapping for tight end production— I can't decide if I want to start Irv Smith, bench Irv Smith, or cut Irv Smith. In different leagues, I've done all of those things this year. None of them have worked out. So <laughs> I just want you to pick a pick a lane, Irv Smith. Even if I have to to you know, spitefully drop you, you know, therapeutically drop you for the benefit of everybody else who will then get Irv Smith galloping to the NFC Pro Bowl roster <laughs> or whatever they're doing this year, their skills competition. I guess they got rid of the Pro Bowl. That's fine with me. I just want you to pick a lane. Be really good. Be important in this offense. Be a bit player. Be somebody who's on the waiver wire, and you guys can worry about him on Monday when he scores a touchdown every five weeks. I'm just kind of getting sick of this Irv Smith game.
0: Hey, fair enough. Uh, Last thing on this game that I'll note, uh, Raheem Mostert back at practice on Thursday. Um, That's good to see. Dolphins offensive coordinator Frank Smith said he's not ready to label Raheem Mostert as the lead back, uh, despite all the success, but you know, he is playing some really good football, Frank Smith said, but uh, noted that Chase Edmonds will get his opportunities. I mean, some clarity on this would be nice. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, if Chase Edmonds comes out and touches the ball like 15 times after uh, that last game, I'd be a little surprised. But I'm I'm ready to I'll be ripping my hair out about it on Sunday. If, night,
2: I, if I can just throw one thing in, like Miles Gaskin played more than Chase Edmonds yeah. did in their last game. So it's Who not even more, I mean, you. You played more. Yeah. You played more than <laughs> no, <Chase laughs> Edmonds last week. It's I mean, it's it's not even clear that Edmonds
1: is number two. You may be a little faster than, than Edmonds, too. That's, that's a fair <laughs> point. He's certainly got out. better
0: hands. He's certainly got better hands. He knows the zone blocking scheme a little bit better. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Actually, Edmonds Chaser.
1: is actually quick. That's never been the problem. But maybe Barron's makes the better reads. Yeah,
0: I think that's probably the best way to look at it. All right. Next game up here, we got Ravens at Giants over under 44 and a half. You both, for whatever reason, want to talk of all the things to talk about in this game. You two sickos want to talk about uh, a pair of Giants receivers. Scott give me your your uh weekly at, at darius least scott's slayton is there. a guy who
2: plays mine mine hasn't even played
0: uh, i mean but begrudgingly the giants are playing scott's guy darius slayton so um <laughs> you know i mean like they, they scott it's it is bizarre like i know you 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 always talk about darius slayton because he's grouped into the whole Nikhil harry Payne uh cycle for you but <laughs> Darius Slayton's, like, a pretty good football player. Like, he's not a star. He's probably not, like, a legit starting-level receiver. But, like, they were trying to throw out anybody besides Darius Slayton. But now here we're kind of back on the Darius Slayton thing for the Giants.
1: Yeah, yeah, Slayton was inside the wide receiver three cut line his rookie year. And then he didn't score touchdowns his second year. And then last year, the the clown car that was Joe Judge and everybody, just, you know, Jason Garrett, you know, for half the season, they walked away from from Slayton, and they were so reluctant this year to play Slayton that I just assumed and, and we've had so many conversations. Is who's this sleeper? Who should we be stashing the Giants offense? Because Jones doesn't look that bad. We like Brian Dable. And so we we have the, the Robinson discussions, and we wonder when Tony could ever get out of the doghouse or get healthy. And then what happens? I'm I'm waking up, I'm I'm clearing out the cobwebs, and Darius Slayton is partying like it, like it's 2019. I think Brian Dable is smart enough to just say, hey, look, something worked last week. Let's at least give him some route participation. Let's give him some targets. It could all fall apart for Slate, and I picked him up in deeper leagues this year, knowing that he could be one of my first cuts next week. But it, hasn't he at least earned the right to go to the front of the line? I'll also admit that I've been slow to fix my Devin Duvernay rank all year. I, at first, I thought, oh, you know why I love Rashad Bateman? Because, you know, the next up receiver in Baltimore is Devin DuVernay. We know he's a specialty <laughs> player, but he continues to get more and more work every week. Other guys have been hurt. Baltimore's offense isn't really hitting on all cylinders, even though Lamar and, and Andrews can be fantastic on the right day. I think I've mispriced DeVernay or misranked him most of the season. He's in my circle, a trust wide receiver three, and on the teams that are a little bit more desperate, yeah, I was that Slayton guy this week, and, I, and I'm expecting seven or eight targets because I I trust Brian Dable to do something reasonable. And it's nice that the Giants have a coaching staff where we can make that assumption.
0: Yeah, I, I like that call. Um, I mean, come on, Darius Slayton's better than like Marcus Johnson or Richie James or, or whatever. But Andy. Wandale Robinson, you know, potentially getting back in the mix here. And, you know, they've they've run through the ringer at slot receiver. You know, we had the Sterling Shepard moment. Obviously, he's out for the rest of the season, you know, with another injury. Richie James, uh, like, come on, enough already with Richie James. So Wandale Robinson is minorly interesting. I mean, this team is four and one with some like goofball, goofball receivers. And yeah. you know, Slayton and Wandale Robinson kind of getting back in the mix here isn't the worst thing in the world.
2: Yeah, um, Wandale is somebody who, just an electric college player, right? He went from being a pretty good running back at Nebraska and then showed up at Kentucky the next season and was was like a 100-catch receiver, 1,300-plus yards. Um, Just destroyed my Hawkeyes in the bowl game. Like a legit, really gifted player um, who we've barely seen. And it, it might just be that we end up talking about Wandale Robinson Every Monday as a guy that you'll want to add because, hey, he was limited in practice and he's coming back real soon. And then it's December and he still hasn't come back. I don't know. Um, (laughs) But but I know that he practiced last week and he had to be kind of close and he's practiced again this week, albeit on a limited basis. When he gets on the field, like there's clearly uh, an opportunity to to step into a bunch of targets right away. I don't know how much he'll play initially. I, I I think it was pretty clear that they expected him to enter the season as a as a volume receiver for them, and and that is still very much in play because they haven't you know as of this moment they haven't dealt for anybody. And uh, you I mean you listed the rogues gallery of receivers that we're dealing with here, right? It's I mean the Richie James targets can go to Wandell Robinson. I think he's going to be really interesting. It's not a great quarterback situation. It's not a great passing offense, obviously, but I think he can make it a lot better. And he's he's definitely somebody who I, f- I just feel like you're in a 12 team league or or larger. There's probably somebody who should be stashing him.
0: Yeah, this game's interesting too because the Giants' defensive coordinator Wink Martindale used to be the Ravens' defensive coordinator. You'd think like I'm I'm interested to see how they play Lamar Jackson because typically like this is the type of team you know the 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 Ravens would blitz a ton under Wink Martindale. They'd send a lot of pressure. They'd play a lot of man coverage. You know, a lot of man coverage, you know, Lamar can shred man coverage because of his mobility, And but they don't exactly have the receivers right now besides Devin Duvernay to beat man coverage. So, I don't know. This This is kind of like a... I'm not going to say, like, the Ravens are on upset watch, but it is at least, like... It might not be. I, I don't know. They're, I mean, I can look like a complete idiot because the Giants' defense is not that good, and you know the Ravens just going steamrolling. But I don't know. I think it's it's a fascinating one to kind of kick around in your head a little bit. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna preview Bucks at Steelers. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, we're back. Um, Andy, Najee Harris, a lot of concerns overall. Dalton and I talked about them on yesterday's show, on the Stat Nerd show. Uh where what's your level of um what's your what's your what's your pee your pants level on Najee Harris? <laughs>
2: It's uh, it's pretty high. It's uh, imminent. Uh, I don't know exactly what all the what all the color coding is on the on the pee your pants uh, threat level scale, but uh, it's it's elevated. It's up there. <laughs> it, it may yet happen. Um, th- this is I think it's one of the biggest issues fantasy wise, uh, one of the biggest storylines of the week, really, because um, he's. There's no, like, Najee Harris hasn't been, like, secretly good. There's no underlying stat that you can look at that makes Najee Harris look okay. Um, this has been a really bad season. He is, uh, like, he's not forcing missed tackles. And he was, you know, I actually thought that coming into this year, he was a guy who was getting his his first season was pretty underrated. We saw people calling him a compiler, um, you, you know, a lot of people unimpressed with him. He actually... He actually led all running backs when you combine total touches right of receptions plus carries he led all running backs and missed tackles last year. he was good. Some of that was um, the the volume of receptions and the volume of targets that he was getting from Ben Roethlisberger. obviously he was getting put in fairly favorable positions making guys miss but he was but he was good I'm not I'm not saying that he was Christian McCaffrey good, but he was a really good player. And now the the target volume is gone, right? He's on pace for like something like half of the targets that he saw last year, so that's bad. He's averaging just three and a half yards per touch. He's got he's got nowhere to, I mean, he's got nowhere to run. Um, offensive yeah. line play hasn't been great. He's also one of those like patient runners where like if the hole never opens up, it just looks terrible. Um, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, like you, you've you pretty much got to be in this offense, I think, like a super decisive, you know, hit the hole as quickly as possible, not trying to pick and choose uh, sort of back. And he hasn't necessarily been that. So now there's this Jalen Warren buzz, which is kind of weird to me because, I, you know, Warren's looked fine. I don't have anything bad to say about Warren, but I, I don't think... I don't think he has Najee Harris's bag of tricks. Um, And I just, you know, maybe it's the foot thing. Maybe it's the foot thing from the preseason and it's still bothering him. And um, it's just not going to go away and he's going to play through it. And, you know, credit to him if that's what the situation is. But his production has been poor. I think that his usage last week was probably related to the fact that they just got smoked. They just got blown out. Um, But it's a concern. And obviously, if Warren starts trotting on the field in third down situations and suddenly Najee Harris isn't a guy who's playing 75 80% of the snaps um and getting, you know, some some cheap and easy fantasy points on third downs. Um it, it's really bad.
0: What's uh, what's our like what's our threshold with Najee Harris? Like are we just not are we just like not going to play him, you know, at, at this there, point or There's or?
2: just no question that if I'd added um Ken Walker, if I'd added Eno Benjamin this week, that I would play those guys over Najee Harris. Like I've got him, I've got him ranked as a very fringy RB2, um, like the bottom of the RB twos. And I don't that 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 probably expresses more confidence than I really have in him. You just kind of run out of guys in a in a week with four teams on bye, right? Like I I have extremely low confidence in Najee Harris.
1: Yeah, not ideal.
0: Scott, what about you? Where are you at with the whole Steelers offensive situation?
1: Yeah, I'm not looking forward to a bunch of Najee Harris start sick questions on Sunday, I'll admit that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> here, here, you know, Mike Tomlin has famously never had a losing record in Pittsburgh, but I don't know how they fixed this season. But I'm going to give you some free advice here, okay? Chase Claypool averaging 4.48 uh, yards per target, which is lousy. Pickens, George Pickens averaging 8.9 yards per target. That would be more. That would be double, actually. <laughs> Stop playing Claypool-Pittsburgh. Stop throwing to him. Stop prioritizing him. You should probably try to trade him. He's not going to get a second contract in Pittsburgh. We all, I think, kind of know that. This is a broken relationship. Your season now has become about getting your future, you know, d- developing your young players, right? Developing your rookie quarterback, developing your exciting rookie receiver. I want to see Pickens pass Claypool like a parked car. And the only reason why that hasn't happened already is because the Steelers are hanging on this idea that Claypool is a good player. I mean, maybe he will be somewhere else. He's just screaming for a change of scenery. I think Pickens has a chance to really shove Claypool out of the way. But when you see that efficiency and you see the usage that Claypool is still commanding, it makes no sense to me.
0: Yeah. Cause it's a, it is a problem for sure. I mean, he ran more routes per drop back uh, last week. than than George Pickens did chase Claypool higher target percentage. Like, yeah, I, I will note too, coming into this game, that Pat Fryermuth as of now is not out of the concussion protocol. So um, if you want to play, Deontay Johnson. If you want to play Chase Claypool, uh, well, you shouldn't want to play Chase Claypool. You can probably go ahead and drop Chase Claypool, but if you want to play George Pickens. Like, that also opens up to. This is one of those teams. They're not unlike the Jets guys where these are all pretty. Like, there's a lot of good pieces that we like here, but the quarterback plays probably. Like, Kenny Pickett can be good in the long run, but like, as a rookie, he's probably not going to be in a position to elevate any of these guys. That, like, when one guy gets moved out of the way, if it's Moot this week because of injury, like, oh, shoot, like, we're going to be. Feeling better about it.
2: Yeah, I I feel like it's one of those situations a little bit like um, obviously the Jets are a good comparison um, and it's got it's got that Colts vibe too. where I'm just not I'm not confident that Pittsburgh will be able to serve up a second fantasy viable receiver each week. Um, Some weeks they're not going to be able to cough up one of them. Um, you, you know, Pickens, Pickens and Johnson Network are, are clearly the two that, that need to be fed. To Scott's point, um, I, for me, that the absolute end with Claypool was the first interception that Kenny Pickett threw, which hit Claypool in both hands yeah. deep downfield, right? Like, what is even the point of chase Claypool if you're not making that catch?
0: Oh, by the way, he's never made that catch once like <laughs> pretty much through, through his NFL career, Andy. That is like, despite the fact... like, I Remember, I remember his first game where everybody's like, wow, he looks like Calvin Johnson. Well, I mean, if you're going to look like that, you should make that contested... You should make a contested catch once, like yep. once in a but, while. By,
1: by the way, the, the fantasy industry is batting 0-0-0 zero, zero, zero when we try to compare a receiver to Calvin Johnson. Uh, K- Kenny Galladay was, was compared to Calvin Johnson. Let, let me know when <laughs> Kenny Galladay actually does anything on a football field. I don't think we're ever going to see that again, but the the checks keep clearing every two weeks.
0: Contested. uh, Shoot, contested catch. Winning a contested catch. How about win a catch, right, for for Kenny Galladay? That's a good start. Uh, My God, one of the biggest, like, bags of all time. What a tough scene. All right, uh, we talked about the Jets. Let's move to their game here. Jets at Packers. Um, Oh, boy. The Packers offense, Scott. Um, These running backs... We've, I know you and I were concerned about Aaron Jones after week one. Things got back on track in week two, but I feel like the usage is still not quite where we would like it to be.
1: For sure. I, I give Matt LaFleur credit that when he botches a game plan, he'll be open about it, he'll own it, and he'll be proactive about changing And What do we see in week one? Lousy game plan, not a lot of Aaron Jones, and then they featured Aaron Jones the next week, and everybody was happy again. In that London game, Jones had three targets, two catches, and A.G. Dillon... Look, he's not Marshall Falk, he's not Christian McCaffrey, but he can catch the ball too. He wasn't targeted at all. And Rodgers struggled to get the ball downfield to some of his other guys. Dobbs didn't do much. Lazard didn't do much. I realized Randall Cobb had this game out of nowhere, which is kind of hard to follow. There's an easy button in your offense. It's called throwing the ball to Jones and maybe even a little bit to Dylan. I think LaFleur is going to be smart about that. Jones is somebody I may play in DFS this week. Again, LaFleur is somebody who will self-scout and own mistakes and make proactive changes. And we know teams are more likely to make a change after a loss, especially the way the Packers blew that second half game. I'm expecting this backfield to be much more involved in the passing game. I think Jones could easily catch five, six, seven passes this week.
0: I mean, shoot, I I would love to see that. Uh, the Packers uh, are de- the Packers are dead last in the NFL rushing success rate allowed, so that's good news for Brees Hall, who's already um, on a tear. But the uh, the Jets are 25th, so it's good. I mean, A.J. Dillon, I don't know how you can play A.J. Dillon. Um, he, he's like – a his usage is in a steady decline, but I feel like it's a good week for Aaron Jones. Um, Christian Watson, this is worth noting. Christian Watson, I literally just saw this, is not practicing on Thursday. And, like, it's funny because – Christian Watson has kind of become that window dressing guy for them. Like, you know, the pre-snap motion, yeah. so, which you might want a little bit more out of your second round pick than just being like the pre-snap motion guy. Um, You can you can usually find that a little bit later, but that's a topic for another d- day. Aaron Jones was that like window dressing guy in week one uh, for them. So hopefully we don't see Jones go back to that role. That's at least worth monitoring. But Andy, the Packers threw to Randall Cobb in the year 2022, <laughs> 13 <laughs> right? times.
2: An absolute, months. just an absolute cry for help. Um, I don't, I don't know any other way to, <laughs> I don't know any other way to phrase it. Um, like this, ver- and listen, I'm a Bears fan. Randall Cobb has crushed my team uh, a bunch of times. Randall Cobb back in the day, fine player. I get it. Um, Randall Cobb has no business seeing a dozen targets, 13 targets. In an NFL game in 2022, um, I don't know what the Packers do. I, like, I, if these if these uh, Panthers receivers are legitimately on the trade block, they should go get one or both. They're not. Um, but That's fine. But this <laughs> this is a. I mean, this is a bad situation. Uh, you you can't be targeting Randall Cobb thirteen times. He was fine; like he was totally fine. I don't expect it to happen again, but I do think it was a little bit of a cry for, for help. Um, and it it sort of discloses the um yeah, the limitations of Alan Lazard of of perhaps Romeo Dobbs. I agree with Scott fully. They should just build this offense around the around the running backs, and they should use the hell out of both of them.
1: Um, after I, this game, the Packers should trade for Corey Davis too. <laughs> oh man, that, that would be great. Call. It's a really good call. But, Scott, I'm I feel like you've it. been
0: saying that all year. That yeah. would be. I,
1: I want Corey Davis to go to like nine different teams. I want him on the Chiefs. I want him on the Packers. In fact, he could be like the house receiver for the NFL, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. One week he plays for the Giants. One week he plays for the Packers. Oh, okay. There's been an injury in, in uh, with Vegas. He can play for Vegas one week. Yeah. You know, the Niners, if they have an injury, whatever. he will be, be like, like the Latavius belong-
2: Murray of the receiver position. That's right.
1: Yes. <laughs> That's yeah. perfect. Yeah. When Latavius Murray retires, he's going to have to sign a one-day contract with the entire league. <laughs> you know, because he's just put on everybody, everybody's team.
0: He's like jo- it's Josh McCown, right? He it's like you go to his Pro Football <laughs> Reference page; it has like fifty jerseys up there. All. Oh,
1: uh, and, and memo to the Packers: Cobb is a salad. Cobb is not an entree. You used him as an entree in London, you lost. He's a salad. Yep. Use him as a salad.
0: Great call. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, by the way, is practicing with his right thumb taped, Um, so yeah. vibes around Packers offense, not great right now. Rodgers himself too, like, you could see it in that game against the Giants, and you're watching it, that like, he's, you know, Matt LaFleur has all this schemed up stuff for him, and then he's like, I'm the I'm not doing that. He like starts slinging it deep and it doesn't work. Slinging it deep to Alan Lazard who doesn't get open. You know, Corey. Yeah, Corey Davis. By the way, be great because then we get these Jets guys freed up too. There's too much going on in the Jets. Like I feel like Brees Hall is the only confidence start you can have in New York right now, and like that's pretty much it. Like all these other guys are Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson. They're all bench holds. Like Michael Carter is a bench hold, but that's that's pretty much it there. So um, let's move on to the next game here: Bengals at Saints. I know you guys want to talk about couple things from the Saints I want to just talk about the Bengals here for a second because I think this offense is in is really in a a rough spot and you know their usage of Jamar Chase is starting to become really problematic because in weeks one through four and even a little bit at times in in Baltimore they're just having this guy run go routes go routes go routes go routes and against double coverage all sideline targets you know you look at the way that teams scheme up a-, a Justin Jefferson, you know, team scheme up uh, Cooper Cup. I mean, that's obviously the greatest example. And they're not doing any of that stuff for for Jamar Chase right now. Their plan to like, OK, let's get him the ball and easy stuff was a bunch of like bubble screens that went absolutely nowhere. I'm freaking out about Jamar. I'm not and I, I don't think Chase has played as well as he did last last week when you watch him, you know, he watches route running, stuff like that. But um, he can obviously get back on track. But I'm a little concerned that this Bengals coaching staff, like I think a lot of the efficiency, a lot of the way that they ran hot last year sort of masked real systemic issues in this offense and like the way Zach Taylor calls plays, designs offense. And they're almost in a weird spot too, Scott, because like Tyler Boyd is a good receiver. But the fact that he's like a slot only player means that they don't get, chase enough looks out of the slot means they don't even get t higgins really enough looks out of the slot so i don't know man like how does this get better is it a is it a just a matter of like eventually burrow will play because i don't think burrow's played that great like burrow will play better mixon will play better chase will just play better and like they'll continue to mask the systemic issues here because i do think those systemic issues really exist
1: it's also a viable question that did they go to the super bowl in spite of zach taylor not because of Zach Taylor. Remember, they were only a four seed and they had some breaks. They didn't play great in that Raiders playoff game. Easton Almost have lost, have lost to the Raiders, game. yeah. Yep, and they were they were getting housed in Kansas City and then a bunch of things went their way. And Kansas City, in part, gave that game to the Bengals and in part the Bengals took it. Almost everything you've drafted into the Bengals this year you've been disappointed by. Higgins has been hurt. The offensive line has been a problem. It's been slow to gel. Burrow was getting sacked a ton. remember Burrow had the appendectomy in the offseason. So so maybe a slow start from him was to be expected. But I'm just really glad I would have drafted Joe Mixon more than I did. It just didn't fall that way. For early round picks, you usually need the right slot to end up with a certain player. I could easily be sitting here crying over my Joe Mixon instead of crying over many other different players who are disappointing me. But Joe Mixon isn't one of them. I'm a little bit surprised even that the Bengals are favored in this game. I, I think they have a Zach Taylor problem. And I think right now, Burrow is not in sync. They look like a team that's still like kind of in preseason mode
0: i don't i don't want to bag too hard on zach taylor because i think he's done a good job like changing the culture there and is a good head coach but but to, like like what brian dayball did like brian dayball has called play but zach taylor never didn't call plays for the rams right he was like the quarterback coach when he got hired there during the whole like everybody who's friends with sean McVay gets a head coaching job but he's never he didn't call plays now he's calling plays and he always has for the Bengals. like he needs to do what brian dayball did and like find somebody you like out there bring him in to be your oc and like give that up but i think that's tough for guys to accept and i understand also, why Also
1: that Philly special call at the goal line was so I, stupid what what are you doing yeah. you have so many talented guys and you're bringing in a play that could blow up I mean when the Eagles ran Philly special it was touchdown or bust the, it didn't, there wasn't going to be a series of plays after that Taylor ran it where it actually screwed you up through, you couldn't go for a touchdown anymore. Um, it's just really frustrating. They're wa- Evan, They're wasting the, the, the best years of Evan McPherson's life, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Evan McPherson finally uh, uh, held under
2: Two field goals uh, last week, largely uh, due to a coaching decision. So that that magical streak was over uh, 12 straight games with, uh, with two or more field goals. So I, I, apparently I can't take that in uh, bringing the props anymore in FFL.
1: So we buried, we, we buried the lead in this game, which is Taysom Hill, right? T- yeah. Taysom Hill should have been the first thing we talked about. Here's the thing with Taysom Hill. People could tell you he doesn't play a lot of snaps and people could tell you he's a gadgety player, doesn't really have a position. He is the hockey player who only plays in the power play. He is the baseball player who only hits in course field with men on base. When he's on the field, he's probably involved in the play. He's their best short yardage runner. He's going to get such high leverage use and he qualifies at a, I know he doesn't play a lot tight end, but he qualifies a tight end on our platform, on some other platforms, use him as a tight end. If you're super, super desperate, maybe even use him as your quarterback this week, he's going to get high leverage opportunity. Does he have a floor? no, But how many tight ends have a floor in the league right now? Five of them, maybe something like that. Taysom Hill is a proactive play in week six, because right now he does something that works and he gets a high leverage touchdown opportunity. He has so much touchdown equity. We have to follow that.
0: Yeah. And his touchdown equity, uh, Andy, comes at the expense of Alvin Kamara, um, which is probably why people are still upset about Alvin Kamara
2: um something something that I discussed on video earlier this week um do you, like do you realize there are like three tight ends currently have twenty seven percent of all tight end touchdowns this season and and one of them is fake tight end uh taysom hill that's wild to me uh how dare you <laughs> like I, uh, by the way, to uh, you know, Scott mentioned that that fantasy platforms have him at tight end. It's because the team lists him at tight end. Like, <laughs> like yeah.
0: he's
1: he's on the depth. Your problem chart is at with the end. Saints.
0: Your problem yeah, is with right. the Saints, not don't,
1: with us. Don't take right, it up right with us. to New, right to New Orleans, not New, not Yahoo Fantasy. Yes. Hey, Can you. I exactly. can I
0: get an integrity check from 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 you, Andy? Like I I talked about this dynasty team with Scott on on Sunday, where I felt kind of disgusting that like Kyle Pitts is my starting tight end and he didn't play. And I, Johnny Smith my backup tight end. He didn't play. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to throw Taysom Hill in there. And he has like 36 points. He's probably going to have 36 points again, but like, I'm kind of thinking, you know what? I don't give a sh- Kyle Pitts isn't going to play. I think I'm about to play Taysom Hill at tight end again. Can I look myself in the mirror and do that, Andy? Oh,
2: of, of course the, you know, one of the other nice things about the saints, they, they've got like a really late buy. is it like a week 14 by something like that? So you could just, yep. you could just park Taysom Hill in your tight end slot and just forget it just forget the position for the rest of the fantasy regular season um and yeah he's he's gonna have i don't know he's probably got three zeros ahead he's probably got a couple of other games in which you know he's gonna give you like half a fantasy point and then he's got a, he's got at least two where he's gonna score 20 plus because they're gonna give him touches uh in goal to go situations And he's good at it. Right. Um, So we're there's a bunch more touchdowns here. So I I think that is absolutely in play. And it's I don't know, to me, that kind of beats just banging your head against the wall about Kyle Pitts for the rest of the season, because that team is throwing the ball like 24, 25 times a game. Like there's just not a blow up spot for Kyle Pitts. At least we know that there are blow up spots for Taysom Hill.
0: Oh, my God. I mean, it doesn't feel right, but I'm probably going to do it anyways. All right. Let's <laughs> move on to this next game here. Uh, We'll go th- qu- pretty quickly through these next three games because they're not as interesting and we can get to the primetime ones. Patriots at Browns. Scott, I was just watching a, a binocular video of Mac Jones. Like, you know, looks like so something out of like uh, forensic files or something or I don't know, <laughs> like, you know, Ripley's believe it or not there's a there's a current ref um you know like they're they're fine and you know the Mac Jones through the practice fields whatever so maybe he's participating maybe he's gonna play but um I know you want to talk about Jacoby Myers and I will certainly allow that on this show
1: yeah he's a guy who looks good on tape he's a guy who looks good in metrics beats all sorts and certain kinds of coverages and the big problem we've always had my joke with Myers has always been more likely to throw a touchdown pass and catch a touchdown but he's Apparently gotten over the touchdown allergy. He has a chance to separate. I know it's not a great Patriot receiver room, but he's always the most likely target hog on this team. He did just fine with Bailey Zappi over the last two weeks as well. So Jacoby Myers has gone from probably drafted as a receiver four, receiver five. I'm going to play him when I'm in a spot now. I think you can actually play Jacoby Myers proactively going forward, certainly during bye week season, but I, I wish I had that guy in all my teams.
0: Uh, I do have a lot of teams. I feel really great about it. Um,
1: Andy, jerk. You'll, you'll, huh? I said jerk. I meant to say show off. I meant to say my mind was thinking show off and my, my voice said jerk. I'm sorry about that. Can we edit uh, that to, to show no, off?
0: I no, think, I think we leave it at jerk because you know what? It was a pretty jerky thing to say. <laughs> Scott's like I wish this guy's on more of my teams. I'm like, yeah, he's on a lot of my teams. So, uh, yeah, he's on. Hey, he's on that one and four teams. Scott with Devin Singletary and like Allen Robinson. So I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be bragging about the fact that he's on that team. Look, just <laughs>
1: pretend. Just cut Allen Robinson and pretend yeah. that Jacoby Myers is Allen Robinson. <laughs> yeah, and Everything yeah, I, will be I, just I, fine. Just write Robinson. <laughs> cross out Myers and write Robinson. You'll feel fine.
0: I know. Yeah, I took. Oh, I, t- I took. Uh, I took Jacoby Myers in the fifth round or whatever. I took Allen Robinson for sure. For sure. I'm a big smart guy. I do this professionally. Um, Andy. <laughs> How high is uh, too high for Ramondre Stevenson? Because you will be shocked to know that yesterday, as of yesterday, Dalton Del Don had him at his running back two spot. And after that <laughs> podcast is over, he's got him at his running back one spot. Scott is shaking his head in oh,
1: disgust. granted, gr- you, you need three weeks to find me in the Fantasy Pro's accuracy standings. I'm actually going to revamp how I do my rankings. So I, I who am I to Dalton. criticize? I've refused to do that. I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'll I, randomize. I'll randomize my rankings before I copy <laughs> Dalton. But um, still, I I've actually there's a there's a very slow um, cooker way that I used to do my rankings back in the Funston era, and as we ch- changed the, the, the backdoor platforms, I miss Brandon. Brandon is <laughs> the greatest. But I, I used to do a really really long process. basically, it used to take me four hours to cook the pasta, and I'm going back to that. I'm I'm telling you right now, my my assault on the world begins now. <laughs> <laughs> In the table. I'm, I'm
2: more likely to get to Dalton's rank on Ramondre Stevenson than I am to get to Dalton's rank on Gabe Davis. I think, uh, it, it Ramondre is definitely another one of those guys where every time I look at the ranks, he, he goes up another peg or two. Um, this is a, this is just a blow up spot against Cleveland. Um, a team giving up almost 140 rushing yards per, per week and, uh, 5.3 rushing yards per carry. Super generous defense, and Damian Harris probably not going to go. Got the hamstring issue. Um, That means it's going to be the Ramondre show. And then, like, look at the schedule beyond this week. For however long he's got this role, it's the Browns, and then it's the Bears, and then it's the Jets. Like, there's just not a lot of, you know, and then a couple weeks after that, it's the Jets again. Like, there's just not a lot of not a lot of tough spots here. Um, so for however long Ramondre has this role, um, he's just
1: going to be an absolute monster. Uh, he's... And the uh, Patriots defense is good enough that game yes. script shouldn't be a problem. Yep.
0: Oh, yeah. Ramondre-Stevenson season as uh, everybody is saying. Let's go, man. It's going to be Belichick fun. loves
1: this team. He won't He won't yeah. say it publicly, but it gets to be Belichick's the star. The roster's kind of anonymous. Did, did he say he, he,
0: he said about Stevenson. Yeah, I was just going to say,
2: I was going to ask if you guys saw the comments about Stevenson because it was like... There are just not many cases over the years that I can remember Belichick saying things this glowing and effusive about a player. He two did it lovin's. with Welker he forever
0: two, ago. To love him twice.
2: He said about his him.
1: only about his only player, his players. He he will compliment. Opposing players to the moon, yeah. oh for sure right for sure he'll talk yeah. about Ed Reed like he's he's the greatest NFL player of the last seventy years Ed Reed of course walk in Hall of Famer been. but um, maybe that's kind of the way Belichick tampers right he he tells you how how much he loves you when he doesn't have you <laughs> and then once you're on his team you're never getting complimented again so we have to take when he, when he actually throws the manhole cover and gives the compliment we have to take it seriously for sure.
0: Well, Dalton's taking it seriously, Scott. Running back one, uh, you're not taking it seriously enough, it appears. Uh, you know, So there you go. Ramondre Stevenson, running back one overall. We love it. Uh, all well, right, I'm, surpri-
1: next- I'm surprised he has him over. Next game is the Niners-Falcons. He, he has him over Jeff Wilson. <laughs> yeah. He, he does. Here's my question. Here's my question, fantasy crew. Has Jeff Wilson looked good enough that when they get Mitchell back is Jeff Wilson still the guy is this what kind of timeshare is this we know Garoppolo doesn't run a lot so the Trey Lance you know thing is so far in the rearview mirror what kind of role is what Wilson's easy to play this week against the Falcons you don't need my help on that one but is Wilson more of a temporary band-aid for us or is he going to be a long-term answer for us
0: that's a great question because I've gotten people asking like when's the right time to stash uh, Eli Mitchell um, but that, I mean, Jeff Wilson has looked more like twenty twenty Jeff Wilson, and I'll say this too, guys: like Tevin Coleman, what fricking year is this? Like he, that guy crushed <laughs> the. I mean, looked great against the Panthers uh, last week. I'm, I'm not never, trying.
1: I'm not trying to hear that. See,
0: uh, but the, I, I know what Tevin Coleman got
1: to do with me. No, nothing.
0: Well, I know it. Uh, we, that, that know did we not don't happen. want to talk about
1: it. That did not happen. I did not Fab <laughs> Coleman. I did not pick up Coleman. I am not starting Coleman. I am not DFS Coleman. If you ask me, I start to say a question with Tevin Coleman. I will not answer it. Tevin Coleman does not exist in my world. Period. <laughs> Full stop.
0: Tyrion Davis Price definitely not. I mean, he's coming back, but like you, oh, forget it. Like a a day a round three rookie, we know not to deal with that. When all
1: these yeah, all these whoever dusty the Niners veterans. fall in love with on draft day, whoever the Niners fall in love with on draft day, you know they won't like like yeah. three or four months later. No, well, uh,
0: but yeah, no, I, I think that's a good question. Andy, how do you feel about Jeff Wilson like going forward? Uh,
2: yeah, I think Jeff Wilson was already locked into a lot of third down usage, and I think he's probably um I don't know is he I bet when Mitchell comes back, they are they're splitting series. That wouldn't surprise me, right? Um, Mitchell gets one, Wilson gets the next one. Mitchell gets the next one. Like I I bet that's how I bet that's how he returns because Wilson I I think has looked great. Um, he he has he probably has two runs a game that, uh, that are, that are kind of wow plays. So, uh, he's been really good. He's probably going to be really good in this spot too. As Scott said, like he's a, he's an auto start right now. Um, so yeah, I, I think he's probably forged at least in the initial weeks upon Mitchell's return, uh, uh, 50% of the touches, 50% of the snaps. That's probably still his.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Andy, Kyle Pitts, tell the people how to feel about it.
2: Yeah, terrible. You should feel terrible about yourself <laughs> for drafting him. Um you should feel terrible about his usage and how he's trapped in this offense. Like I got nothing good to say. He has returned to practice. He expects to play, but like I think it's fine to move on. If you want to move on to Taysom Hill, cool. Um I get it. Uh oh, Pitts oh has 25 yards or fewer in 3 of 4 games this year and Atlanta is not throwing the football. Um they are averaging less than twenty five pass attempts per game. If it were not for the Bears w- bizarre nineteen fifties offense, um, they like we'd be talking about how, how little Atlanta is throwing and how strange this is. Um they are And aver-
1: even when they do throw, it's Mariota throwing. My yeah. advice to Pitts managers Yahoo fantasy hockey and fantasy basketball <laughs> yep. <is still> yep. <laughs> open for business. Draft your teams today
0: uh just on coaches like praising players arthur's one of the funniest tweets I, and i you know most people on twitter aren't funny but this was hilarious um you know arthur smith was going on and on and on his press conference about debo samuel and how unique and special of a player he was and uh danny kelly from the ringer tweeted quote tweeted and f- and furthermore i would love him on my if you were on my team i would play him 50 percent of the snaps i like arthur smith but very good joke i'll I'll give dk that one um panthers at rams last game here before we go to the actually fun island games oh god it's gotten bad for the rams when they're down here in the basement with the panthers scott pj walker better than worse than equal to baker mayfield what what do we think
1: all i wanted from baker this year is just just be a little bit better than Darnold or, or Bridgewater. You were hurt all last year. Just prop up McCaffrey, prop up DJ Moore. You're unable to do that. So my question is, can can Walker be any worse than Baker? I don't think he can. I don't have any expectations on Walker, but Baker was so bad. I actually think this team having a new coaching staff and a different quarterback is a good thing. The Rams are a team that broken is the word everybody seems to use with with the Rams right now. In some deeper leagues, I'm actually wondering if Robbie Anderson, spell it however you want. In fact, you know what? Changing the spelling of your first name, Robbie, didn't help. I think you need to change the spelling of your last name from S O N to S E N. Maybe that will get you going, or S I N. I don't know. <laughs> just change something. Whatever you're doing, do something different. But change his number too. I, so a lot of changes, yeah. not, none for the better. I, I, psh, one good game, you know. That was about it. But I'm, I'm just I'm going to give one more week to DJ Moore, and then I'm just throwing in the towel. This is it. I'm hoping Walker, just because he's something different. Because Baker was... It wasn't that Baker was playing poorly. Baker was playing, like, the worst quarterback in the NFL. And yeah. I dare Walker to be that bad. <laughs>
0: I mean, you dare him, but it's... Careful even... what you wish for, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, Andy, Cam Akers, how soon are we to drop in this guy?
2: Yeah, it's it's real close. Like, this is... Uh, theoretically, this should be a, a get-right week if it's going to happen. If it doesn't happen against Carolina when uh, game script should be his friend, you know, he's already playing fewer snaps than daryl henderson he he's getting plenty of carries that's not an issue he's super inefficient the line hasn't been great but if if he doesn't get anything done like if you don't have anything to take to the trade market after the panthers game then he's got a buy then he's got the niners then he's got the bucks like you're not gonna play him for a month so yeah i think if he if he puts up another dud here i think he's a drop he has absolutely no trade but value and he's just gonna burn a spot on your bench
0: yeah, I, I know we think like, oh, this is the spot for, you know, Cam Akers to get right. Um, you know, in my dreams, it's the spot for Allen Robinson to get right. Um, but like the Panthers are, are ninth overall in su- defensive success rate allowed. And I know they kicked Phil Snow out the door, but that's only because he's a pure like Matt Rule crony. Um, so this defense is pretty good. It's got good young players. So we'll see what happens there. All right, let's move to some interesting games here. Cowboys at Eagles, 42 point over under um, Scott give us a uh, give us the the Dallas backfield spiel
1: yeah I mean the problem is the Cowboys have won four games in a row so they have no incentive to change what ostensibly is working Tony Pollard averages 6.3 yards per per touch Zeke Elliott averages 3.9 yards per touch you have an ease and you know the, the touch count is is what 86 to 51 in Zeke's favor and I think what the Cowboys are probably thinking is back when Jamal Charles became a thing. In Kansas City, but Charles didn't get a lot of touches. And the idea is, well, this is we're doing it right. We just ride Thomas Jones forever, and then we hit him with a splash of Jamal Charles, and he runs forty yards with it. And then we throw him on the bench for another quarter. Come on, Dallas, do the right thing. Let Tony Tony Pollard is so explosive that even if you only think his touch projection is like eight to twelve touches, I think you still have to play him, especially during bye week season. And I, I don't wish any injury on Zeke Elliott, but man, if Elliott ever got hurt. Pollard would go to the moon I the problem is the team's winning I, I think maybe if Dallas would lose a couple of games maybe they'd see how badly they're getting this and I also realize I'm saying what every other fantasy and, and sharp NFL analyst has said their best running back isn't getting the ball it's just frustrating to see but at least Pollard still creep you know he's carved out some fantasy value even on the limited usage
0: I think there's a chance too that when Dak Prescott gets back like this just overall everybody gets a boost and like they might stylistically change like I don't think they're going to give Zeke Elliott twenty-two touches, twenty-two carries like they did against the Rams very often. Um, because like they just won't be, in, they won't be in like hide your quarterback mode like they have yeah. been. So I think there's some hope for you there, Scott. But Andy, this matchup like we want, we know to play CD Lamb, we know to play AJ Brown. Like those guys are great; those guys have been stars this year. I don't care if uh, they're coming off slower games, whatever. If you're complaining about those two players, get a life. Um, but the trickle down effect here. These are two pretty tough defenses. They've been great defenses overall. So how confident are you with guys like Devontae Smith with guys? I mean, Michael Gallup is playing a ton. Um, Dalton Schultz kind of react or didn't maybe didn't re aggravate, but has like an, another knee issue. So I don't know if we're talking about him really that much, but how confident can we be in the secondary players in this offense when these defenses have been extremely good this year?
2: Yeah. It, it feels like when we get, you know, a matchup between like a five and O team and a four and one team, like these are, these are obviously these are these are good NFL teams. The 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 number in this game is 42 like Vegas is not expecting a lot of points here and that is because these are you know by some by some metrics these are the two best pass defenses in the league Uh, Philly is giving up 5.6 yards per pass attempt on the season and Dallas is giving up 5.9 they've just been they've been very stingy. Um, I would not expect much from the secondary receivers here. Uh, although I, w- I, you know, like I think, I think Smith is going to get fed. I think yeah, I, you're surely still starting Smith in a week with four teams on by. Um, I, I just I want to make you feel a little bit worse about it. I guess. <laughs> like, I great. Just don't, <laughs> I don't I don't I don't think this is not going to be like some clash between you know great teams that ends you know the way we expect the Buffalo Kansas City game to end right where it's like 35-31 or 38-31, something like that. This is probably. An ugly score 22 18 21 17 right like this is probably not a huge point total these are these are very good defenses and and pretty complete teams like dallas when when dak is back at the controls you know a really dangerous pretty complete team um playmakers on defense so i just wouldn't i wouldn't expect this to be some sort of some sort of video game sort of explosion right like i think we're still starting the alpha receivers but that's you know that's all you can feel okay about
0: yeah, I think I'm with you on that one. A, definitely more of a defensive game. Should be fun. I, I can't wait to watch that one. Maybe not as excited. Maybe not going to be as fun to watch the Russell Wilson-led Denver Broncos, but they are playing in L.A. on Monday Night Football. Um, Scott, yikes. The Denver Broncos thing has fallen apart very quickly.
1: One of my worst calls. I thought I thought Wilson was getting out at the right time, landing in great spot Seattle. I, I, I can't figure out, guys. We know one of the problems in modern society is you subscribe to things and they auto renew and you can't figure out how to quit it. How do I unsubscribe from <laughs> the Seattle Seahawks Island Game package? This is their fourth the Island Broncos, Game in six weeks.
0: You wish Geno Smith was going to be on an Island I Game.
1: Apologize. I apologize. G- yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to cancel the, the Seahawks package and get the Geno Smith package. I don't know how I do that. I, you know, I, operators are standing by, but they keep telling me my call is important to them. Well, but nobody great, picks up. Great
2: news with your Broncos package. You also get a Bears package because they've got island games. You know, a couple of weeks in a row
0: here. Oh,
1: God. Why? Why? I, look, Russ is hurt. Um, you know, they don't believe in Albert. Oh, they lost Tim Patrick a long time ago. R.I.P. My best ball teams that needed Tim Patrick. I think. You you have obviously you have you have to bench Wilson and by the way the, the second tier quarterbacks I mean you know Wilson Stafford Brady Nightmare. Dak got hurt it's been a horrible year to shop in that tier I thought Melvin Gordon looked pretty sluggish in his first game back as a starter as the, as the lead back he he got some production late in that Colts game and of course it went into overtime so he got some extra use I know that most teams don't have the kind of running back depth where you're eager to trade one away but I would put your running back room on the block and see if somebody comes to Gordon. I, I think this could be a high point for him. I think Boone might actually be a better player, and who knows if they're going to have a Murray role. So I want you to very quietly see what the market is for Gordon, because I think you might get an overpayment. Other than that, I think I have just whiffed on Wilson. I whiffed on Jerry Judy. It's becoming harder and harder for me to imagine why he was a first-round pick. He just looks like a guy who belonged in the second or third round, an interesting yeah. receiver, but... I've given up on him ever being a special talent. Of course, we don't know how hurt Wilson is, but I may not. It's a possibility. I might not even watch this game.
0: Oof! Um, I'll definitely watch this game because I'm a sicko, and you know I don't have anything better to do. Um, plus, we gotta support, gotta support Austin Eckler. I, I you know, I guess. Uh, sure, for sense. sure. Yeah. yeah, we got it. Well, I, I'll, I'll tune in for that reason only. But um, yeah, I'm with you, man. This Broncos thing is rough, and I agree that Melvin Gordon. You know, there's a chance Mike Boone is, is running ahead of him at some point as this team starts to maybe look to the future, which is a rough thing to say when you give up all those picks and all that money to a veteran quarterback. But that might be where we're at. Like Cortland Suns, the only playable guy there.
1: Let me rephrase what I'll pro- what I might do is I might just not watch the game live and then get it on the rewind package and just. If Denver's offense is just in a in a ditch again, just fast forward through the Denver so, stuff. It's and a classic look,
2: condensed game,
1: right? Like, you right, definitely yeah, this that. is screaming for condensed because yeah. look, I mean, Mike Williams, I want to watch him. I, I want to watch Eckler. I, I always want to watch Justin Herbert. So, uh, and even uh, Kelly, Joshua Kelly should be on rosters. I'm surprised 100%. his tag is still so low. He's clearly, not only is he clearly their number two back right now, but he got double digit touches in a competitive game last week. They don't want to run Eckler into the ground. Josh Kelly looks like one of the most improved running backs in football, and I I want him on your roster. Maybe you're not going to play him for a while, but his roster tag is very, very low right now. It doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah, Austin and I pretty much said the exact same thing, which is like he has standalone value in addition to great contingent value if Austin ever gets hurt, which we don't wish for, obviously. But he, I agree with you, Scott. Like he he was like two percent rostered when we taped on uh, Tuesday morning. Like hopefully that's changed now at this point. He's only
1: crept up to like thirteen percent the last I yeah. checked. It's still very low.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. He should be rostered everywhere, a thousand percent. Um, yeah, Scott. Just during while this game is live, go back and rewatch the Seahawks game. And then you'll kind of like, you'll feel as if you so, you feel as if you have start, you've solved your problem there. And then you just, uh, you'll rewatch the chargers later on.
1: There you go. It's a good thing. I have every streaming platform no, known to mankind. <laughs> so I'll find the Geno Smith streaming platform. Maybe there's a seven day free trial and, uh, yeah, I can be happy on Monday. Just, night. just to pick up on something that Scott said about Wilson. Um, I, you know,
2: par- part of me would love to think that the injury is a component in his performance, but like. The, I mean, the biggest problem is he's he's missing the open guys, right? <laughs> right? Like he's he's making bad decisions. Like there there have been moments where Jerry Judy has been has been alone running down the field yes. and he has not been targeted. Um, he is missing I mean, open. KJ, receivers.
1: KJ Hamler still thinks he should have caught the winning touchdown last week, right? Yes. Yeah, KJ
0: Hamler still slamming his helmet into the ground, dude. I mean, that's that is the mark of a bad quarterback when they are locked onto one guy. When a yep. I, I don't think – and he's, like, locked in on, on Sutton. That play, like, is designed as a man coverage beater, the the, the Hamler play, to, to not take that read and to lock on to Sutton on that dig route, which, by the way, he was, like, really never open on. Like, Sutton is not is good, but he's not that good, like, to lock in on him. And everybody else is not that – bad. I agree with Scott that Jerry Judy's overrated. And, like, KJ Hamler still kind of coming back in practice a lot in the offseason. But, like – those guys aren't total dust. Like, you shouldn't be locking into one player. That's a great point, Andy. Like, that is the mark of a quarterback that is struggling, is bad, and is in his own head.
1: Yep. And Wilson threw the pick late in the fourth quarter in a game where nobody was scoring touchdowns. Oh. So a six-point lead looked really good. You, it's it's okay. If you don't see it, just throw it in the crowd. Mm-hmm. You can't throw a points away there in a game that was low-scoring. So I also wonder, so much of Wilson's game, we know how tall he is. He's a shorter quarterback and all that. So much of his game has always been built on athleticism and improvisation. And I just wonder if he's at a point where he no longer has elite skills in that area and it just takes away from what made him great. That he can't do the things with his legs and the things with that kind of hyperspace button that he had maybe three or four years ago. Although he was, you know, he was solid last year. So I don't want to act like... Yeah he's he's been deteriorating for a while but it, it's one of my worst calls of the year. I thought Russell Wilson was going to be good this year and he's the opposite of good. He was I mean, he was turn, not a he's proactive turning 34
0: runner this year. He's turning 34 like he turns yeah. 34 this year Scott and I wonder if like I wonder if Brady and Rodgers and like Manning playing kind of along this yeah yeah well broke our brains a little bit because like a lot of what you said about the athleticism the part with Russ is like what I was kind of saying all offseason that like, he's not that guy. He's not Drew Brees from a passing perspective. He's not Brady from a passing perspective. He's not Rodgers from a passing perspective. And I totally buy into the idea of, like, the, oh, like, you can win a championship with a guy like Russell Wilson. You can want to win a championship with a guy like Lamar Jackson, even if he hasn't done it yet, you know, these, like, mobile guys. But we ha- have we seen anyone with, like, with the first thing that you thought about Russell Wilson and his prime guys was, like, the mobility and the improvisation? Have we seen anybody like that really age gracefully? I, I don't think so. I mean, look at Cam Newton. Cam Newton fell off a freaking mountain.
1: For sure. And that age gap, that the age cliff can be a problem for pocket guys, too. Right now, every Matt Ryan throw looks like yeah. it's a half-feet slow, yeah. and it's missing just, like, the extra five MPH. It means it needs to get to the receiver on time. You talked about all the receivers coming back for the ball in the Denver game. Give the Denver defense some credit for that, but, you know, it looks like we all knew Matt Ryan was on the back nine and he might be putting out on 18, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Not wrong about that. Andy, just one last thing I know you want to hit on in this game is Mike Williams versus Patrick Sertan. Um, Sertan is definitely like, I don't focus on wide receiver cornerback matchups that much um, just because like Sertan is uniquely good, but he is kind of coming up and becoming that next guy that we're a little concerned about any, any reason to not play Mike. Williams? I had somebody ask me like, are you worried about this matchup? Like I'm, I'm thinking about playing Rondell Moore. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're not thinking yeah, about playing yeah. Rondell Moore over Mike Williams. Yeah.
2: I like Mike Williams is, um, not where I would have had him, uh, in, in the ranks in a, in a normal week where I didn't have to really sweat the opposing cornerback matchup. But I think Sertan is one of those few guys that we really have. I mean, you mentioned it with Pittman earlier, right? Like it's just, yeah, he, he makes life really tough. And Mike Williams isn't like his game isn't, you know, Oh, Mike Williams gets miles of separation, right? He's not, he's not that guy. Um, so this is a, it's going to be a fun matchup, right? Like I, I think just as a pure football fan, that's super fun. We don't know that Keenan Allen is coming back, but they probably, they need him, you know, in the worst yeah. way, especially if we are talking about a, a corner that can lock up your other, otherwise your best receiver. Um, so Keenan Allen would be a huge addition to this game. Um, but yeah, I, I think it is concerning, but it, no, you can't possibly start Rondale Moore over, <laughs> over Mike Williams. Like I can, I can drop Mike Williams a bit, but he's still a wide receiver too for me. And there's, there's certainly no way, especially with no, presumably no Keenan Allen. There's, there's just no way that Mike Williams isn't still getting 10 targets.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us. This podcast had it all. Scott called me a jerk. He called Andy the p- p- pox on fantasy football leagues. Uh, <laughs> Andy, uh, Andy tried to talk about the Bears in prime time when we were like the Bears have played. Andy, how dare you bring them up? You you bring them up on this podcast by the time it's already published. They Great got, show, they got, a, they got a Monday
2: nighter coming up.
0: Oh, for God's sakes, unbelievable. We, we took shots at Russell Wilson at least three times, so that's a that's a hell of a show, boys. Well done. Love to see it. Um, you can follow Andy on Twitter, at Andy Behrens. You can follow Scott, at Scott underscore Pianowski. You can follow me, at Matt Harmon underscore BYB, but you don't have to do that. If you do feel like following all three of us, um, you should probably just go ahead and follow at Yahoo Fantasy as well. Um, they're great awesome wonderful account as always scott is going to be back with me on monday morning with a recap of the games to come until then we're out